Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper, episode 39 of our 24-minute recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and remember to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. So, for tonight's recap, we, you know, back after last night, didn't do one last night, so we're going to talk about the Clippers against the Bulls. The Lakers against the Grizzlies. I'll also be talking about the Suns-Bucks game from the other night. The Hawks-Mavs, the Trey versus Luka. And then I'll check in with the Nets after kind of skimming through their last two games. And by the way, before I get started, we'd like to wish an 87th birthday to the great, the legendary, the greatest team player to ever play the game of basketball. And arguably the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball. And that is Mr. Bill Russell. If you follow me on Instagram, go follow me. I had some great Bill Russell quotes and clips from from uh, over the years today. So happy birthday to Big Bill, the ultimate winner. Hopefully we'll get see him get to 88. Let's get on to the game, starting with the Clippers. And that was we were playing the Bulls tonight. We had a tough matchup against them earlier in the season on a Sunday afternoon. But Kawhi was fantastic in that game. But... Today, you know, we came out with much better intensity on D. One of the things I was saying was before the game, I wanted to see us make somebody else but Zach Levine beat us because Zach Levine gave us a lot of problems last time he played us. And we did exactly that. Any, anything in our power to get the ball out of his hands, get a contest in him at all times, make sure he wasn't open. And Nicholas Batum was a little lazy to start last game. I thought this game, his antennas were really up. Him and Ibaka both. Ibaka had some Ibaka moments at the rim. But Batum was just talking, pointing, you know, switching, getting his hand in the passing lanes, knocking balls out of bounds. I just thought that he was very alert. But it was a really weird start for the Clippers. It looked like it was going to be a disaster because Kawhi Leonard ended up limping on his on the first basket of the game and had to go to the locker room. I thought it was like a groin for a second, but he came back and apparently it was no problem. They were saying it was a hand injury, but it was it was nothing serious. And then Serge Ibaka got injured shortly after, but it was funny enough. I think he just kind of turned his ankle for a second. But funny enough, Serge Ibaka passed by Kawhi Leonard uh, on the way to the locker room as Kawhi Leonard was coming back. And... I thought that he came back and it wasn't like he like he didn't. We actually played pretty well when when he when he went out. Kawhi Leonard though, Pat Bev and Reggie Jackson each had shots in the in between game on pick and rolls, just getting in the lane, hitting floaters, short jumpers, and then Batum hit a three, Ibaka hit a three. You know, Zoo and Lou came in and started playing well, so we made up for Kawhi being out for a couple of minutes, and then Kawhi came back and just started putting on a show again. Patrick Williams, poor soul, the rookie. He couldn't do anything. Garrett Temple couldn't. You know, Kawhi was, I like it so much better when he's not as much, 
you know, at the top of the key isolating. He gets it in those mid-post areas, like where Jordan used to dominate. And it's so much easier for him because even if you send a double team, he can turn in either direction. Why do you think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did his skyhook from the baseline? Because he has two moves. They're impossible to guard. If you turn over his right shoulder, he can put up a jumper. And over the left shoulder is a skyhook. So he has the baseline as another basically, you know, not, a defender is not going to be out of bounds. So by doing that, you know, it's an unstoppable way. He can get out of double teams going both sides, you know, going both ways. So Kawhi Leonard has the both turnarounds over both shoulders, and he was going to it today. And it was fantastic, man. Fantastic. You got to hard double those if you want to get the ball out of his hands. You can't load up. So Kawhi was killing it. I thought that the Bulls responded fairly decently, but in the third quarter, we just kind of took him away, and it was it's really the Lou Williams show, I think. He was just awesome in the pick and roll, getting to the basket. I thought Sadoransky was taking some really horrible angles guarding him in the pick and roll, inviting him towards the middle, and when you're in a drop coverage with a big Lou Williams and you're giving him a lot of space to shoot, he's just going to find a way to drift left and hit that jumper, so it was exactly the same as last game, really, where Lou Williams took over the fourth quarter. Marcus Morris Sr., four threes in the fourth quarter, came up big for us in that regard 20 points for senior six of 10 from the field six of eight from three that's 75 percent with six boards lou williams 17 points for him i thought zoo was better he was you know following the following Kawhi's shots or ball handler shots on pick and rolls and you know cutting to the basket when people would drive especially lou so i thought he was solid 12 points for zoo five of six lou canard i still need a little more from him he's just Wavering confidence. I think he needs to he needs to be more aggressive trying to look for the ball. And t we need to, you know, I think that Ty Lue's been a little harsh on him. It seems as though the way Terrence Mann has been playing and what he gives us defensively, he's starting to get more minutes than Kennard. And I'm honestly not that opposed to that because I, I'm a defense guy. You know, I see people on Twitter, some Clipper fans, saying, oh, Terrence Mann really doesn't have that offensive game. Screw a fucking offensive game. We need defenders in this NBA where nobody wants to play defense. And Terrence Mann is getting more comfortable by the game. A jump shot will develop. You know, he still has a, you know, gets to the rim. I like when he gets to the rim. And his, you know, he was a big reason why Zach Levine was limited tonight. He was getting over screens. He's putting pressure on ball handlers. You need guys that are just going to get over screens in this league that are going to try. You know what I'm saying? And like he creates offensive fouls. So like when he when you're going hard over screens, it's easy to get called for offensive fouls uh, as screeners, as screeners. So, you know, the refs are just getting ready to build a whistle at any time in today's league. So I just thought that the Clippers were great. Ka uh, Kawhi, he was awesome, man. 33 points, six boards, three assists, two steals. Zero turnovers is the best part of all. 14 of 21. How about that, guys? 66% from the field. Ibaka, 9 points, 4 of 9. Reggie Jackson, 11 points. He was all right. We held Zach Levine. I mean, here's the funny part. Zach Levine still got his. 11 of 21, 26 points. But we didn't let him get, like, nuclear like last time with 40. And I just thought that the Bulls are just, you know, they're not a very good basketball team. So we did the job. I like the contributions from everybody. Terrence Mann, seven points, by the way, four rebounds, just to give you some stats, two steals, plus 21. So I think Kawhi was my player of the game with ease. This was his second game in a row. And, guys, it's so funny. I have this thing where, like, every time I call a player out and get a little harsh with them, they, like, play amazing. Like Andrew Wiggins in the beginning. And then Trey Young kind of bounced back a little bit, but he started to go back to his old BS. And then um, I can't think of anybody else. But, you know, obviously I was really harsh uh, about Kawhi. After, oh, Paul George in the offseason, obviously. But I was pretty harsh on Kawhi in the, after the Sacramento game. But he bounced back really well in these last two. So I think he's putting his name right back in that MVP conversation, guys. Let's look out for it. Let's move on to the Lakers, though, guys. 
And they played the Grizzlies tonight. For the first time, they played them with John Morant this season. The two games they played them in Memphis, there was no John Morant. And it looked like it was making a huge difference in the beginning. Anthony Davis was back, by the way, for the Lakers. So after missing two games, and it seems like he really does have a little injury with his Achilles. Um, I still think that the Lakers are planning on and have always planned, with the exception of one back-to-back, that AD is going to sit back-to-backs. But we will see as as it, as the season progresses. But the Lakers came out really lackadaisical again for like the, I don't know how many straight games it's been. But I was thinking to myself, and I was tweeting about it during the game, that um, if the Lakers continue to play like this against this Memphis team, they're not going to win the game because they're better than OKC and the OKC team they played without Shea Gilgis-Alexander and the Detroit team that they played. And John Moran was doing a good job in the first quarter, getting in the lane on pick and rolls. I thought the Dylan Brooks defense on LeBron was really good. You know, they were causing a lot of turnovers. Dennis was turning the ball over way too much in the beginning. LeBron was being very careless. They were, Lakers were trying to get AD involved, but AD just couldn't hit shots to start the game. I think he started like over 4. KCP is still a ghost, kind of. Dylan Brooks was hitting. Grayson Allen was really good, actually. Like, that, that dude is a good shooter, man. He's got he's got a solid offensive game. I mean, four-year college pro. I know he's a dirty little scumbag, but... He's, he's a pretty good player. And, oh, Jonas Valanciunas was dominating Marc Gasol early on in the game. Like, in the pick and roll, he was in floaters. He was in threes. He was posting up. So the Grizzlies were up 31-16 after one. But I thought the two guys that really gave the Lakers a great spark off the bench, Kyle Kuzma and Montrader. In the second quarter, they came in. And Kuzma, you know, we got to give him some credit, man. He has really found a way to become a guy that does little things. Comes in and plays good defense, energy. Now, look what he did in that third quarter. Because the Lakers were still down 13 going into the second half. But in the second half, that's when they really turned up the gas, especially on the defensive end. I thought it was AD being able to switch on to so many guys and being great. LeBron got two steals. He was getting the break going. And I thought he was awesome. I think LeBron really took over the game for stretches of that third quarter. You know, he's getting to the basket. He was getting to the line. Lakers in general were just getting to the line. And then he even busted out. I don't know if it was his second or third. You know when LeBron starts getting going, sometimes he can hit those those shots. Turn around over the left shoulder. Second or third time this season for LeBron. Uh, I always give him shit that he doesn't turn over his left shoulder because he doesn't hit that with regularity at all. But he got one. He was, he was feeling, it, feeling it in that moment. But um, he had a great third quarter, man. He had a great third quarter. He was finding guys as well, making some great passes up the court. But Kuzma... Also, the, the, the Grizzlies got, you know, stunned by this. You know, it's a young team when the, when the best defensive team in the league turns it up like that. And they were just missing easy shots as well. They still got their looks, but I don't know. They couldn't get it going. You know, they were getting blocked. Dylan Brooks, like, turned the ball over on an inbounds after they got scored on, which led to a Gasol three. By the way, Marc Gasol hit two threes in the third quarter. So that was just part of the momentum. The momentum shifted. You know, even though there was no crowd, you know, you still have the momentum of the game. And it was, it was pretty funny that LeBron was, like, Acting like there was a crowd, like trying to pump up the crowd. By the way, though, LeBron had an absolute disgraceful flop, though, in this game, I must say. Like, just disgraceful. Like, not selling it. Like, a straight-up just flail. Like, oh, my God. That's the role model, guys. That's the greatest to ever touch the ball to some of you guys. I, Lord help you guys. Lord help you. But anyway... He still played great. Anthony Davis turned it up as the game went on. He was just getting in his bag. Mid-range area, not overcomplicating things. Rolling to the basket, getting out, you know, when he contested shots on the perimeter like he does. And Kuzma threw some great passes, like some really good passes, some great defense, and the offensive rebounds because the Grizzlies went to a zone. And you know what happens when you go to a zone? You're very vulnerable. Um, Very vulnerable. 
two zones, uh, two offensive rebounds when you go to a zone. And Kuzma was just fighting for those. You know, everybody gets back and nobody goes for rebounds anymore offensively. They get back on defense these days. And even then, they still don't stop players from scoring in transition. But Kuzma was doing it on the offensive glass, and he got so many second-chance points. Uh, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And by the way, to somebody in the YouTube comments, I haven't seen Michael Jordan all yet, but I doubt he flopped like that. That's come on. That's a comedy show. Anyway, let's look at let's talk about the lines. The Lakers got the job done, and you know, my, my uncle was asking me. Um, my uncle was asking me, what do I think of the Lakers? Um, uh, starts, and I think that it's not a big deal, but. It's only, it's only because LeBron and AD are so good they get him out of these type of situations. I don't know how that's going to be. Um, I don't know how that's going to be against better teams, though. So we'll see. Anyway, let's look, read the lines. Jonas Valanciunas, 22 points, 8 boards, 5 assists. John Morant, 22 and 10, but in the second half he really fizzled out. Grayson Allen, 23 points, 8 of 13, 6 of 10 from 3. Anthony Davis, 16 of 27. He was my player of the game. 35 points, 9 rebounds. LeBron, 28 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, 9 of 15 from the field. Five turnovers, though. We have to give LeBron a shout-out, a milestone. LeBron James tonight became the all-time leader in turnovers. Let's all give him a hand, ladies and gentlemen. I'm only trolling this hard because... One, because it's fun to troll because LeBron fans are ridiculous, as you know. But secondly, because I remember when everybody gave Kobe a bunch of shit for the most missed shots in NBA history. So we're going to give LeBron the mo- Turnovers are much worse than missed shots, in my opinion. Much worse. I used to... That was the one thing that was my pet peeve when I played basketball. Still is. I hate turnovers, man. Ugh. Hate them. But, um... Anyway, it's not a big deal. The point is we shouldn't hold those against Kobe or LeBron because those are high usage turnovers. LeBron and Kobe is each I mean LeBron's going to play 20 years, Kobe played 20 years. That comes from having the ball in your hands a lot and being responsible for a lot uh when you lead your teams as all-time greats that you are. So, it's stupid to push either narrative in my opinion. I was just doing it to even out the score. By the way, Clip Team 18, I appreciate you, dog. Thank you so much. Go Rams as well. But anyway, Let's look at, yeah, so that's all the Lakers stats right there. Kuzma, 20 points and 10 rebounds. 20 and 10, five of them offensive rebounds. Montrader, 14 and 7, three assists to go along with that. Lakers on a winning streak now, 21 and 6. Let's move on to the Bucks and the Suns from the other night. And I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you what. By the way, I don't like the LeBron Magic comparisons, just saying. Extremely different players. Anyway, Bucks and Suns. Very entertaining game for stretches. Obviously, the Suns are one of our dime dropper teams. And it started out with the Bucks with Giannis. And I really liked, once again, when we watch Giannis this season, his mentality, man, he's always guns blazing, like going to the basket. And he was getting whatever he wanted. Like the, the, the Suns just had no matchup for him. And they seemed to really want to limit the threes for the Bucks, even though they somehow, in the Bucks were just like, through the first like 15, 17 minutes of the game of actual 17 actual game minutes, like the first quarter plus like half the second, they were like scorching from deep. Like DiVincenzo, Bryn Forbes, Middleton, like they Brooke Lopez, they were like hitting tough threes. But Giannis set the tone by getting to the basket. They put they started with Aiton on him and he was getting blown by. He was too slow. Then they start they put Cam Johnson, he was too weak. 
there was no real matchup for him. I didn't see Mikhail Bridges or Jay Crowder on him enough, in my opinion, though. Those are the two most ideal matchups for them. I saw, you know, Kaminsky for stretches. It was just a lot of switching. You know, the Suns like to do a lot of switching, but Giannis was getting whatever he wanted. By the way, this was my first time listening to the Bucks games on the Bucks broadcast, and Marcus Johnson, one of the all-time greats, uh, color commentator, was talking about, this is going back to, is the NBA getting better and better? Zones. And he was talking about how ale- the zones weren't legal, allegedly, but teams used to mask them. And Don Nelson, who was his coach, was he said that he was the one of the best at it, which is telling you that's Marcus Johnson telling every single young person, every single young person, all you LeBron, Bron sexual Gen Z bot detractors that try to uh, use the use the zone defense, illegal defense argument, that a player was told to play zone, but just do it in an indirect way, exactly like I said, and is the NBA getting better and better? So go watch that video. It is so close to a thousand views, and that yeah, you got to go watch it because I I spit the truth in that video, as you see. Marcus said it, and I also listening to the Czar Mike Fratello tonight. Uh, and the Clipper commentary, I love when he does our games because he has such a wealth of knowledge about the game. And he talked about how a Euro step, like the move that Giannis does, like a one-two Euro step, was illegal for a long time. So back in the day, you had to just do like a step and then, you know, a look off and a step, show and go kind of deal. Whereas now the two big Euro steps is illegal. And that's why when you, you know, I see all these idiots on Twitter doing the Gen Z bots. Guys, we have color commentators that are literally that are literally explaining things from the history of the game to us. So why don't you get your head out of your ass for five minutes and listen to the people like Mike Fratello, Marcus Johnson, like Stu Lance. These people cover the game now. They don't just crap on it. It's not like Shaq, who's a casual viewer in the regular season. These guys watch all the games. They talk about the NBA now, and they talk about it back then. You just listen to them, man. Just have to say that. But anyway, the, the, the Bucks could not freaking miss. I thought the Suns' defense was awesome. I'm sorry, the Suns' offense was awesome. Their defense was that. Eh. Chris Paul and Devin Booker were really aggressive, and I like when they're aggressive. And it seemed like it was a Bucks focus to not let guys like Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, you know, Frank Kaminsky to get too many open threes. So, if like for example, Mikhail Bridges only shot three threes the whole game. Frank Kaminsky only four threes the whole game. Devin Booker, four threes the whole game. So they wanted to keep them off the three-point line. But I love that Devin Booker and Chris Paul were taking the mid-ranges. They were getting the mid-ranges. They were taking the mid-ranges. And Chris Paul had a nice, like, snatch back. He came to play in this one. It was his first game after a couple of misses. And CP3, man, I love my, my guy CP3. Um, What's it called? CP, yeah, so CP3 was cooking. Devin Booker was cooking. And... But they couldn't get stops because the Bucks just couldn't stop uh, making shots. But the third quarter, guys, oh, my word. This was literally freaking no defense association. Like, they were not letting the guys play. Everything is a foul. How are you supposed to guard Giannis without, like, like, I guess if you, you can't hand check. Like, there's no way to guard Giannis when he's just, like, running into people. Like, you're supposed to just guess where he goes and take a hit to the chest. Like, he, this is just not protecting the defensive players. Like, it's just such a favorable game to the offense now in the NBA, man. Like, Giannis and LeBron can just run into people. Like, with their two, 270, 6'10". Like, it's wild, man. It's wild. But, yeah, no defense association, no defense allowed. Um... 
But the third quarter, the end of it, like the last two minutes is when the Suns came back and it was just hitting threes. Jay Crowder made some huge plays. There was one where he tipped an offensive rebound out to Booker for an open three. Then there was another one where he made the extra swing to Cam Johnson for a three. And then I think Etuan Moore hit a three. It was like three threes in a row to end the quarter. So then the Suns went into it like dead even. And Chris Paul went vintage in the fourth. Hit open threes. Uh, hit an op- one open three, hit a couple mid-ranges, but the Suns nearly blew the game. Like, they put went up by, like, six points. Frank Kaminsky played, actually, I thought, really well. Like, he had open threes, good contests on guys, made some open shots. He was 4 of 10, 2 of 4 from 3, though, 14 points and 8 rebounds, and get this, 8 assists for Frank the Tank. I thought DeAndre Ayton wasn't bad either, 17 and 7. I thought his stats looked better than he actually played, though. But... Ultimately, the Suns were, like, going to blow this game, and Giannis could not be stopped. Like, I loved how aggressive he was. He couldn't be stopped, whether it was he was setting the screens or he was with the ball. I thought he was just getting the ball in better spots, but I really prefer Giannis as the screener rolling to the basket because you need to put two people on Giannis rolling to the basket. Single coverage when Giannis gets the ball down there, you cannot, you cannot, you know, guard him. So, it was a close game. Really close game. Devin Booker got to the line, made a free throw, and then Giannis had a chance to win the game, pulled up for the mid-range, and missed. I'll tell you what, man. Giannis' jumper, though, that shit is broke. He was 0 for 4 from 3. I'll give you the line. By the way, great win for Phoenix, ultimately. Just a really good win. Chris Paul was the the player of the game for me. I thought he was the most impressive, honestly, even though Book was great. 30 points from Book. On 11 of 21 from the field, he's been doing so much. Like, the Suns have been doing so much better since he came back. Six boards, three assists for him. Chris Paul, 28 points, three boards, seven assists, two steals, 10 of 20, four of seven from three, four of four from the line. Mikhail Bridges, 15 points, very quiet 15 points, six of seven from the field and three of three from three. And then for the Bucks, Giannis had 47 points. So that, like, he missed the shot, but all, and I know Middleton was open, but ultimately that wasn't Giannis' fault. Like, it really wasn't Giannis' fault they lost. He had an amazing game. The Bucks just can't be allowing 125 points. Like, that's a lot. So I, I just wasn't looking at the game from a Bucks fan's perspective, though. So it was a tough one. Oh, also, they didn't have Drew Holiday, their best defender. So, like, yeah, never mind. I mean, it's not a big deal, honestly, for Milwaukee, to, to be fair. 47, 11, and 5. Five assists, that is, for Giannis. And Chris Middleton, 18 points, 5 rebounds, 11 assists. So that's it for the Bucks game. Great win for the Suns, 15 and 9. Let's move on real quick before we end. We're only we got a couple minutes left. I watched the Hawks and the Mavs game in Dallas. Luca versus Trey. Very even first quarter. Clint Capella got in foul trouble though. But I thought Kevin Herter really was really good. But Trey Young's second quarter was going off, like dissecting the Mavs in pick and roll. Pulling up from 30, so that means they had to go hard over the screens. And then he was getting in the lane, making some floaters. And then after that, they just started trapping him on pick and roll, which was putting Kevin Herter and different guys in four-on-threes. John Collins. I thought John Collins was making the right decision, attacking the basket. He also had three offensive rebounds and scored off of those. But Kevin Herter was really good. He was able to create. He was able to go one-on-one. He was able to... He was able to just make the right decision. 23 points for Kevin Herter. Eight rebounds, three assists. The Hawks were up by nine points going into the fourth. You thought it was going to go well. Cam Reddish was doing a really good job guarding Luka in the second quarter too. Like, Luka's jumper, it's it's just not very great. It's just not a very great jumper. It's very overrated in my opinion. And, yeah. 
That was basically what was going on. And then the fourth quarter, Tim Hardaway Jr. just erupted. Like, just straight up erupted. Like, was just hitting everything. Tough threes, hand in his face, mid-range, you know, attacking the basket. And then so it was just basically a neck-to-neck game the whole way out from then on. Trey Young, you know, he took some, he took like, I want to say just like six 30-footers in this game. I think he may have made like three, but like, I don't know, that's just a lot. But I don't really put it on him much. Capella was in foul trouble, so it was kind of hard. 21 minutes. Gallinari, 2 of 12. He had some shots where he should have made it. But it really came down to the end. And there was that last play, you know, Gallinari, Kevin, I think, I don't know if it was Kevin Herter or Reddish, but there were some good looks at the end for the Hawks. You know, some good looks. Gallinari had one, the last shot of the game, and he missed it. Trey Young got hit on a screen pretty hard. I think the play was initially designed for him, and he couldn't get the ball. And he was, you know, irate and going at the ref. I don't know. I, I think that was a tough loss for the Hawks, but it's not a big deal. I, I think you lose at Dallas. It's expected. John Collins was great, though. 33 points, 13 of 18 from the field. That's all for the night, guys. By the way, the Nets bounced back against the Pacers. I saw it. Better defense. It's all about the effort for them. Kyrie and Harden were better, but not much to say there. We're looking to see KD come back. They're 15 and 12. That's it for the live tonight, guys. One minute in overtime, 25 minutes for the live. Now we go to the live subscribers. Super Chat's turned on. Let me know what you think. Peace out. See ya.